Welcome back, friends, to the Wild Isle podcast. I have with me the legendary, the great, the powerful Josh Broverman. That's a ridiculous way to introduce me, but yes, I am here. <laughs> uh, sorry, it's been a while, been busy. Um, just before we get started, I wanted to make a small announcement. Um, if you're catching this right after it goes up, uh, within the next month or so, I am going to be uh, hosting a series of lectures about philosophy couched, disguised, if you will, in, uh, let's say, English composition and grammar. So I'm going to convince people that I'm teaching them, hey, I'll teach you how to write, but really I'm going to teach them philosophy hidden in there. So if you're listening to this, then you know what's up. Uh, don't tell anybody. Um, other than that, of course, I've got my uh, fiction. So Juan Smoke Broken, the first of the Juan Smoke series, is out and doing well. Uh, coming out soon, hopefully uh, shortly after Christmas. I hate that I didn't make the damn Christmas deadline. I have another series of short stories that I'll be releasing in packages before I do the whole thing. So be on the lookout for those because uh, those things are fun as all hell. I really enjoyed writing all of those. Uh, let's see, what else? Other announcements? Oh, if you're looking for an editor, uh, hire me, please. I love editing, actually. It makes me a better writer, a better editor of my own work. Um, I've been uh, working with a fellow named Bernardo. He's given me a great testimony on the site. You can go read it. It was genuine. I asked this guy to like criticize me all hell and back, and he couldn't do it. So uh, maybe you can. So hire me and find out. All right. So Josh, what are we talking about today? Well, I think uh, we discussed a topic, um, which I guess we just call it what we've, we've been calling it word sorcery, which um, I'm not sure if we've picked a good, I think it's a cool sounding name, uh, but I don't know if it's the proper name. Um, Can but, I make an argument for why I actually think it is the proper name? Well, we need to probably, for the viewer's sake, explain what it is before we get into the name. I was thinking something like more like word demons. Um, but why don't you start, I think, in in the true nature and fashion of our podcast, why don't you explain what a word sorcerer is? And then I'll sort of translate it. That sounds to, like to a normal great, people. Sounds like a great idea. So well, I think I have an, I, I don't think I know. I have an aphorism called a real world word sorcerers. And these people are kind of, uh, it's funny because I, I, I am the same kind of person as these people. It's just whether or not you decide to lie to people with what you're doing. So what a word sorcerer is, is someone who isn't, um, quite concerned. Sometimes they don't even know what they're doing. In this case, I call those kind of people you know, babble mooks. We'll get into that later. <laughs> but the, uh, the word sorcerer is concerned with, uh, let's say enchanting you with an illusion. The illusion is the, uh, the pathos, the emotion that comes from the words they choose to use. And so they use lots of clever literary devices. And if they were novelists, that would be great because that's the fucking <laughs> point of a novel is to give you an experience. And then you can make your judgments about that experience after you've read it. What they do is they come to you either person to person, or perhaps these are newscasters, journalists writing in magazines. And they, uh, let's say, try to subvert the logos to try to get underneath logic and to get you to presume certain things to assume uh let's say that you agree with them when you don't and then once they have you bought into that you fall into their spell that's what we're calling them sorcerers because they're playing with words like the words are magic spells to get an effect on you the the human individual uh who really is a monkey who's vulnerable to essentially hypnotism yeah well i think you know, it's good to establish that there's 
there are good word sorcerers as in their their skill at this this particular uh i guess it's, is it a skill this particular uh technique or uh this thing that they're doing there's people that are very good at it they're so good at it that you may not even know they're doing it when they're doing it and then there's people who are very bad at it uh but you still might not know that they're doing it when they do it um so you know in true in our true fashion how we do our podcast I, I think the simplest way to describe the word sorcerer is somebody who uses language, uses words to try to get a desired outcome out of a person. Um, and the words themselves don't really matter that much. They're just using them as a, as a, as a weapon or a tool. Um, you'll know, kind of, Marquis said, you know, they might get you to agree to something that you don't actually believe in. Uh or they might just confuse you to the point where you just say, I'm done and throw your hands in the air and walk away. Um, and when we came up with the term word sorcerer, we were coming up where I don't know who, which one, I think you came up with it. We were trying to figure out, we were analyzing different, some different people's behaviors and mostly out of frustration, trying to figure out what the hell was going on. And, um, and we, we seem to have figured it out. Uh, and it's such a, uh, it was such a kind of a mind boggling thing to actually unravel because <laughs> so much happens in your day to day life that you may not pick up on some of this stuff. So like at work or in your family life or out and about and somebody's pulling this, uh, this sorcery with you, you might not notice it. You might not even know what we're talking about really, even up to this point in the podcast. Right. So it's like, it's a, uh, it's a really fascinating thing. And then we started to, you know, as we unraveled what we had discovered, we started trying to figure out why it's happening. And then we started figuring out how do you stop it? So maybe, maybe you could talk a little bit about, uh, about, or maybe we could do sort of like an, a good example. Yeah, actually, that's where I wanted to go. Um, I want to work my way up because there's different, like I mentioned before, different forms of uh, word sorcerer or evil wizard. Um, most of which, um, are what I call babble mooks I mentioned before. Now, uh, I like this term because I used it intuitively and then I like actually went to look up the definition, like is mook an actual word? Am I just bullshitting this? And it, it is actually. And it's perfectly fitting. So this is the kind of person who is essentially unwittingly cunning and therefore untrustworthy. And the unwittingly is really important. And so, and the so, word, um, what unwittingly, like they don't know they don't what they realize they're doing. Correct. Okay. Uh, so these are the kind of people who um, they never learn or never learned in their life that words, let's say, are meant to represent contents for them. Words have always been tools in order to achieve an end. So you can think of like um, a baby, right? And a baby can babble like Baba. But it doesn't really know what a bottle is. It just knows the bottle is what satiates my hunger and will make me not want to like die. Like if yeah. like I'm screaming, I'm hungry, help me. Like that's all an infant knows. And it's not unrealistic to think that if that is successful for you in more and more complex ways, why would you ever need to develop the level of, let's say, complex abstraction that, I don't know, someone like – uh, Plato or Aristotle is sitting here contemplating, right? Yeah. You're not gonna, you're not gonna need to. And no. uh, if Socrates or Plato really, well, you may need to eventually when when we show up and start <laughs> unraveling well, wizardry. Th this is the thing about the Babel move that but frustrates both of us is that it turns out no, it is not the case. Like they might need to, but they don't. So this, um, the case, particular example, I want to will if they run into me. <laughs> 
you say that, but um, I, I'm sure that if I force you to give an example, it'll be a reiterating example. <laughs> I mean, I, I have some ideas on it. I mean, uh, I think a good example of the Babel MOOC would be something like this. Why don't you, um, why don't we, why don't we role play, right? That um, you saw me leave the fridge door open and um, you're trying to correct my behavior and you would start normally like with a simple correction Hey, Josh, why don't you, uh, you know, make sure next time to close the refrigerator door. I've got some perishables in there. I really don't want them to spoil. I did. I did close the door. But the door, it's still open. I'm like, I'm only looking at it. I didn't leave it open. But you just asked me if you could get something to drink. And I said, yes, you walked over to the fridge and got a drink out of there. And, and then the door is open. No, no, I definitely closed the door. I watched you. It's open. Why would I leave the door? I'm not, I'm not stupid. I know how doors work and I know how fridges work. I know what happens if you leave the fridge door open. Why would, why would you even accuse me of this? I obviously shut the fridge door. I mean, come on, Josh. Um, you know, I could insult your intelligence, but uh, no, I'm just going to insult your intelligence and your honesty. You're lying to me. I watched you leave it open. Our entire narrative is that you went over there to get uh, a, a goddamn drink and then you got your drink. Here it is, right? It's on the damn table. The door is still open I, on, man. I mean I didn't I didn't mean to leave it open if I left it open I didn't mean to leave okay, it open wait, which one is it or is it did you not to or did you no I was going to shut the door, the fridge door you were just telling me that there's no way that you left no it I was going to shut the fridge door I was, even if I whether it was me or not I was going to shut there's it there's a sword on my table I could just cut your fucking head off you need to be consistent because I'm just driving me insane <laughs> and a sword's long enough to cut all these fucking hydras of excuses that you're making so pick one so so what we just demonstrated right and this is also going to we're going to it will get uh, it will get a little crazy if we go into it a little further but what it is is just this uh there's this person who's just basically using language in a way that's not really i'm not really trying to communicate i'm just trying to get marquise to leave me the fuck alone right that's that's actually what i'm trying to do and uh when we get into the solutions for this because it's 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 a form of gaslighting as far as i understand it i mean it's like uh babble mooks or word sorcerers in general are trying to convince you that your reality isn't real so i'd you like know, to make a distinction though because i do you know when we think of gaslighting it it assumes that this person is trying to subvert your reality. But, but does it? I mean, I mean, it assumes they're yes, trying to subvert your reality. But do they know that they're trying to subvert your reality? Well, they don't know what they're doing, but what they're doing isn't even trying to subvert your reality because they think fundamentally they don't have a concept of an objective world. They have a concept of uh, variations variations of subjectivity. Now they're not going to be able to articulate that. Um, but their primary concern is changing their subjective experience to be something more comfortable than it is in that moment, right? Yeah. And so instead of the word gaslighting, I've started using the word bamboozle. So you think it's more about them than about you? Yes. Okay. I don't think they're thinking about you at so all. So they're they're trying they're they're trying to create their own reality using language, and they're not really concerned about how it affects you or the objective reality yeah our reality and that fits in with uh what i was talking about with infants because like an infant um is not doesn't have a theory of mind it doesn't have no, like, it doesn't it, acknowledge you you're just an extension of it yeah and it's a simple solution because i mean i like to use this metaphor as well like a, a wounded animal doesn't need to understand what its wound is or even how the wounded limb let's say operates to know don't move this limb 
okay. to, to avoid the pain, yeah. right? And if the person's in pain and they have developed this like series of words, they can just kind of shoot at you until like trial and error, yeah. something works. Um, that's why I, li I like bamboozle um, because it uh, it produces what I call a hydra. Yeah. And so what a hydra is, is when someone's defending the thing they just said with like another lie, usually another two or let's not call them lies. I, 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 I'm, I tend to do that because I want to like judge them. Yeah. Um, but untruths, right? So if I defend each untruth with two untruths, um, unless you just like threaten me with violence, which is the only thing I've seen that actually stops this from happening, which is not a good solution. So hopefully you come up with a better one. No, I think there's a better one. But um, but what happens to the reasonable person is they're screwed because the reasonable person sits there and tries to go through each one and to like essentially debunk each one. Yeah. And the problem is that they there's, yeah, there's an infinite level of new heads popping up yeah. with each lie. Yeah. So, so, you know, I think what we both had a little aha moment one night when we were at the coffee shop talking where I had said, when these things happened, you, you, I was explaining, explaining it, not knowing that I was explaining it, but I said, I felt crazy confusion when dealing with people who were doing this. We didn't know we were talking about it at the time, but the confusion, we both were like, wait, that's something. Why do we feel confused when dealing with these types of people doing this type of behavior? Um, and I think that's like for like the the listener trying to understand what we're talking about. Like if you're if you have like a relationship with somebody in your life who is when you talk to them, you just feel like very confused, right? Whether it be a girlfriend or a boyfriend or just a boss or an employee or somebody you work with, it's like you might be dealing with a word sorcerer and they might be scrambling your brains. And you don't know it because you're trying to apply, apply logic and, you know, you're trying to apply reason and logic in the world because that's how we move through the world effectively, at least most effectively. So I guess my first question that I think we should try to talk about, right, is like, why do these people do this as opposed to just, like, for example, shutting the refrigerator, like, which seems so simple? Because that's like a, a one thing I know with the, with the, with the, what'd you call them? A babble mook? Yes, <laughs> babble mook. With the babble mook, right? With the, with the low end of the spectrum here, they are, um, they seemingly do this behavior with the stupidest tasks that could be so easily just corrected. Um, and their lives would be better. It's like, why wouldn't you correct it? Why wouldn't you shut the fridge? Why wouldn't you do what you need to do with these small little things? Because they use this this sorcery in the dumbest ways. I have an answer to this, though I don't like my own answer. I think this comes down uh, to a dialectic between the high and the low. So that sounds really pretentious and arrogant, but let me explain. It does. <laughs> yes, it does. But let me explain. So you sound like somebody who works out at the wellness center. <laughs> a little bit. So, and I am, I am that. Um, and I am unfortunately pretentious. Um, I don't know, cut me down or something. So Nietzsche points out that what is good for the high is poison for the low and vice versa. Right. Yeah. So when this Babble Mook is trying to bamboozle you. Why are they doing it? Well, they're mostly going to be interacting with other Babble Mooks. Yeah. And you can find this out if you happen to be a philosopher listening and you want to just like push people to like the end of their knowledge, like Socrates, kind of like Socratically question them. And then they'll start doing this. I guarantee you. It does not take very long, or they'll go glass eyed and just walk away. Yeah. Um, but if you but if you if you push them, they'll they'll start babbling and making rationalizations. And they do that because when they interact with most people who also do this, it works. And if they were to, uh, let's say, be honest, 
that presents a vulnerability. If you know you didn't close the door and you're a kid and your parents a babblemook and you're a kid, so you're you're not even a babblemook because you're a child and you don't know. There's no chance for you, you to might be. A, you might be a babblemook. Okay, they're, they're it's very they're, possible if your parents babblemook. Yes. So 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 what you do is you didn't shut the door. Your mom is mad at you. If you admit to not shutting the door, um, she's not going to go any easier on you. So there's zero reason for you to admit your wrongdoing because she being a babble mook, it is too emotionally gratifying to take it out on you. There is there is no reasoning in, in this case in the mom's head that if he's honest and then I don't punish him and don't yell at him when and just remind him and then see if he does it next time there's no consideration there it's just i'm going to punish you because it makes me feel good and it does like nietzsche points yeah. this out too it feels good to take retribution on people yeah uh, particularly your own children because they can't do retribution back immediately yeah uh, oh but they will uh, they will <laughs> oh but they will <laughs> yeah they people don't think about that but uh, eventually so, kids so are than you. a good a good question is um why does Babel Mook words word sorcery works so well for them against the against anybody who's not sitting here on a Sunday having an in depth conversation against people who aren't like insane like us and maybe a little autistic who sit around and analyze these types of human behaviors right why is it that these people are doing this and actually having some level of success because they must be having some level of success with it. Um, I don't want to jump this far ahead, but when we get into the higher end of the word sorcerers, um, we're going to end up talking about um, some of the – I want to bring up Michel Foucault because he, he does this with all of his books. Um, but you'll see this with the woke crowd where what happens when you apologize? Do things get better for you? No. No, they no, get no, no, worse, no. right? <laughs> and this, this uh, let's say, Babelmook-esque behavior, this word sorcery behavior is the same – it's in the postmodernism that that ends up being a key component of that wokeism that exhibits that same behavior, right? So down back to the Babel Mook in the individual level, why do they do this? It's because no amount of uh, let's say forgiveness is going to be offered. Well, not so much why do they do this. I'm more asking why does the average person fall for this? So, for example. The average person, in our example we gave about the refrigerator door, right? The average person is going to start doing some some things, right? So first of all, a normal person with some level of compassion, some level of empathy, um, some level of humility will probably first go, was it me who left the fridge door open? Am I wrong? Right? Because that's what normal people do, right? That's what normal semi-healthy people will do. It's kind of reanalyze what they're accusing the person of because we are human we're fallible we make mistakes maybe i made a mistake now the other thing i notice is that like sometimes i just don't want to fucking deal with it i don't have the patience to deal with somebody who's being crazy like they're being irrational but on such a low level that it's not going to have a direct effect on my life it's easier for me to just get up and close the fridge and then just kind of keep an eye on it Right. And so I just kind of don't waste my time. So it's like, why do we do that? Why are we, why, well, I guess not, maybe not why do we do that? Cause I understand why we do it. Right. It's well, Hey, I don't have time to sit here and fight with you. Right. But yes, take it away from here. Okay. So you'll notice in those situations that it is, uh, 
not the, the person is not analyzing the validity of what the person said, right? It's how much pain is this costing me? How much time is this costing me? That's a calculus. That's what I'm saying is and for normal people, um, that's the only, not the only calculation, but that's the primary calculation they're making. It's not really relevant. What is what's relevant is like, how much does this hurt? Yeah. And how much pleasure can I get out of whatever route that I take? And how quickly can I get out of this interaction? Yeah. So when you're asking, it's kind of the wrong question to ask, why does the uh, bamboozling work? Um, it's why, uh, it's kind of what I pointed out before. It's like there is no such thing as work. It's just two people trying to bamboozle each other in order to feel the least pain and the most pleasure. That's what it is. That's what's happening. It's We have to remember that uh, – what did I say on uh, a comment to the, the first path podcast? We can't all be philosophers. So we have to, we have to stop right away before we start rationalizing this or, or analyzing this rationally and say, how is it that someone who doesn't know how to sequence a line of premises to a conclusion because most people can't do that. I know that if you're listening to this and you can do that and you're going to sit there and say, oh, no, that's not possible. Well, like, guess what? Go out and go and ask people to do it and ask them to write it down. Yeah. Right? Because you ask them to say it, they'll give you like this uh, fragmented garbled book that you will post facto piece together to kind of get what they they think – or you think that they think that they meant to say, right? <laughs> yes. uh, I actually just did a, a very, very small side. I just finished uh, constructing a PowerPoint. You mentioned I'm going to do those lectures, right? Uh, and I pulled out a quote from Alice in Wonderland where Alice uh, is like, well, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, or what is it? The hare says, you should say what you mean. And she responds with, well, I mean, they, I mean what I say. Isn't that the same? And then they proceed to go, like, what the fuck are you talking about? And give her example after example after example, where if you uh, reverse the, uh, let's say, order of construction of your sentence, it entirely changes the meaning. And so it's like, if what, what the hell do you mean? You, you just say whatever. And if you meant it to be something else, it can be. Yeah. Right. But that's the level that most people are operating on. And that kind of plays into the, the sort of woke ideology, postmodernist ideology of Things don't have to be anything. Things can be anything. Um, yes. So I guess if we advance beyond, we'll move beyond the Babel we'll to the well, true words. Well, well let's, let's maybe not, not okay. move so quickly. I mean, I would like to discuss the solution mm, yeah, to yeah. the to the Babel MOOC, right? So once again, the Babel MOOC is the uh, the low level word sorcerer, the word sorcerer that kind of fumbles his spells and you know, kind of you know, fire goes off in his face and he's an idiot. But, you know, sometimes he, he casts effective spells, right? And it's like, I've been dealing with some of these word sorcerers. And the great thing about Babel Mooks is that if they listen to this podcast, they have, won't have any idea that we're talking about them. Yeah. <laughs> this is kind of a funny, funny joke there, but um, it's true, right? Like they would have no clue. They would have clicked off like three minutes, like 30 minutes ago. It's uh, only 33 minutes in. That, anyway. that happened in a, in a coffee shop I was in. I was talking to... Um, uh, a barista behind the counter and i knew this barista was well read in particularly the dallas text and um 
as I always like to mention, they were surprisingly judgmental. And uh, I we were talking to this this guy. They're trying, better than you, obviously. <laughs> we were talking to this third guy. It was me, the Buddhista, uh, this other guy, and this other guy who's like arachnophobic or whatever. And we were trying to explain the process by which one overcomes a fear and uh, why one might desire to do that. Um, and the guy was essentially trying to bamboozle us out of it yeah. he like wasn't addressing what we were saying in particular so he wasn't giving any refutations um but he was just kind of throwing what some people would call word salad and eventually i just i turned to the barista and i say remember uh, you know remember the story of pang and the, the phoenix and the cicada and the the quail so the cicada and the quail are fluttering in the trees and pang is this phoenix is like a million feet in the air you can't even see him um and the the quail and the cicada are like oh look at this chump flying so high in the air where's he need to fly all the way up there our fluttering between the trees is the highest form of flying <laughs> while pang is making a journey from like the northern to the southern oblivion to represent like the pathway toward enlightenment yeah so um battle mooks will not know what we're talking about and we are in no danger of yeah and i said that in front of the guy that was the whole point of the story <laughs> yeah, right. like right in front of the guy I said remember the story about paying the high and so, the low so this was my solution i came up with um i owe it in part to, to jordan peterson um and my uh extensive research into his work but um so basically i had a situation another situation arise where i'm dealing with this one of these individuals and uh I don't know that these, this solution works if the other person can escape you. If they can just leave and never come back, then they probably are just going to do that, right? They, they do have, at the bottom of the Babel Mook's arsenal of weapons, they, they will retreat, permanently retreat, right? Um, and they'll probably talk about how horrible you are after they do this. But if they can't retreat, the Babel Mook does run out of weapons at a certain point. And so... I started doing kind of what you said, like the Socratic, Socratic questioning, right? And like refusing to accept something that wasn't an objective reality, right? Like wasn't our objective, like this is what actually happened. I watched it happen. I'm not backing down. And what I found was in our example that that was pretty much how it played out until they realized that the word sorcery, the spells were deflecting in all directions, right? Now, after that happened, Peterson had mentioned multiple times when you're dealing with somebody who's doing something to you that's uh, oppressive, right? That um, you need to basically get, he said, get three examples of it. That way you can go to the person and they can't say, oh, well, this is just like something that happened randomly or this was just chance or luck or whatever. You can say, no, 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 one, two, three, this is the three times you did it. And then if you do it again, there's going to be a serious consequence. You're going to, you're not going to like what happens to you if you continue this behavior. Um, so, you know, I remember him talking about and saying, you know, if you want behavior to change in somebody who's doing something that's toxic or whatever, that, you know, at some point it's going to come to to screaming and yelling or it's going to come to crying, right? It's going to come to tears or it's going to come to screaming. Um, and lo and behold, as I drove home on this babble mook and I just kept like, like reinforcing reality, like that's not what happened. I watched what happened. You are wrong. They started crying. And I thought... First thing I thought was this, right? Because I've already gone through the other thoughts of, am I, am I wrong? Is it my fault? Am I, am I, am I the asshole? Like, you know, so I keep driving at home because this had been happening over and over, right? So I was fed up with it. Um, they start crying and I, I realize like, I feel really bad now that they're crying. And I thought, man, 
first thing I thought was, should I, did I go too far by telling them that they did do what they did do and like holding them accountable to it? Cause it wasn't any, a big deal, right? Like it wasn't like a big thing. It's little stupid things. It could be a big thing, I guess, but it's just too many little things, right? It had to be shut down. Um, so they start crying and I go, okay, I'm going to continue on my path. I'm not going to be mean to this person, but I'm going to keep telling, reinforcing what I said, that your tears and how they have an emotional effect on me are not going to stop me from reinforcing that you cannot continue the behavior you're doing because the behavior is insane and destructive, right? Lo and behold, on the other side of the tears, now this person didn't yell because they're not in a position to yell at somebody like me, but the point is that on the other side of the tears, they accepted what they did was wrong. And then from there, we were actually able to do a little work. That was the thing that I found most interesting was that once we got through all the babble mook sorcery, and then once we got through the tears, because they were really banking on the crying thing, making me back down, but it didn't. And then they, it's like, it's like, you know, you've heard the, uh, what they say, like, you know, with mental health or whatever, that it's like you stop developing at a certain point. And it was interesting because now I, suddenly I see the child in front of me, right? I've gotten through the spells. I've gotten through the, the emotional, like, uh, appeal, right? And now the child is sitting there. And it's and it's and it's it's hearing me finally. It's listening and it's hearing me. It's accepting its position. Um, and I was just like amazed. First of all, we could have <laughs> this all could have been correct. These behaviors could have been corrected with a single sentence for the average person, right? Then as I as I went on to like spend time with this person, I noticed that suddenly the behavior was changing. Suddenly they realized they can't do their sorcery anymore. And I started talking to them more about it and saying like, you know. I, I will not accept this behavior. And when I catch him doing it, I immediately shut it down again. Hey, that's that behavior that we've been talking about. You can't continue to do that. And things have gotten better. And it's like on the other end of, uh, on the other end of it all, there is a person there who can be taught. Now, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that. But I also think that that would be, after that, be a good time to transfer or move towards the higher end of the word sorcerers and can we find solutions for them? I don't know that we can, or maybe it's the same solution. Yeah. Um, I actually came to a bit of an epitome listening to your process. And I, I realized that you became a surrogate parent to exactly. the development. Yeah. Because you, the, in a sense, it's like you almost have to, and it's weird when you're talking to an adult, that's actually a child. Yeah, it, it's, it's bizarre. Your brain doesn't know how to deal with it. Because like, what happened was you pushed this person to the point of emotional exhaustion. I think, you know, everyone, if you're an adult and even if you're like demi-conscious, you've experienced a point where you felt so bad for so long negatively that like your brain exhausts whatever cortisol, whatever it's pumping out there to make you feel like garbage. Yeah. And then it wants to come back to homeostasis. It looks, it's like, hey, uh we've been down this low too, too long. Like here's your, um, uh, what is it? Uh, consolation dopamine. Yeah, <laughs> like, get right. you back up the, here's the serotonin, get you back up the baseline before we drop you again. Um, and after that, you have this moment where it seemed like the, the, the adult, um, who became like a child weeping and, and bawling is probably a better word. Um, 
is now receptive to the instruction that they should have gotten at other developmental periods, but did not receive and never developed. Yes. And you question yourself because you feel cruel. You go like, fuck, you know, man, like, I don't want to like hurt a person. But it's like, I remember, I'm not a parent, you're not a parent, but we, we know some people who are parents. And like one guy I remember discussing with him, there was this, this uh, kid's class at the gym um, that was not being, it was not ran by the bullpen. It was ran by an outside entity. And like, they had just a ton of kids and they were all running and running around. There was like 50 of them, right? They're just running around being insane with no supervision, right? And I'm in the weight room lifting. I'm deadlifting a 405 pounds and they're running around and like bumping into the bar. And I was like, I yelled and told him like, you got to get out. Like, you can't be in here. All of you get out. You're not allowed to be here. And I remember thinking like, oh, I just like yelled at all these kids. They're not my kids. I don't really know how to deal. This is a new thing to me. And I told it to one of my buddies who had kids. I was like, I didn't want to be like mean to them. And he was like, no, no, no. You were compassionate to them. Because what you did was you protected them from getting seriously injured as opposed to letting them just do whatever they want. And I think that's got like some, some that, that, that resonates with what we're talking about here, which is that when we let people just do this behavior, we're not helping them. We're doing them a disservice in a sense by saying, yeah, it's okay to just keep doing this and by reinforcing it positively. And like I said, if they can escape, they will. And they have their whole life because all this is really just a, it's all behavior based in escape, really. It's just not physical escape necessarily. But, you know, what I felt kind of cruel pushing this person to this, this, this point. But the fact was, it was either I push him to this point or we don't, we don't spend time together anymore. Right. That's, that was the, because I'm going to have to remove you from my life if you're going to behave in this insane manner. It's like, like a, an 18 year old can't hang out with a 12 year old and a 34 year old. Well, maybe I'm 25 emotionally, but a 34 year old can't hang out with a, a five year old emotionally. Right. And that's, that's what you feel like. You feel like you're having an argument with a five year old, but they're in an adult body. They might even be older than you. Yeah. It's um, kind of this weird recognition. They might be your boss. They might be your parents, you know, like oh, it might even... be your parents. And I'm sure though, I think the listeners will resonate with this, right? You might be confused about this, right? Maybe it's your parent who's the who's the babble mook, and maybe they're actually a five year old, but yeah. you think that they have power over you. It's 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 more than an interesting thought experiment. Uh, yeah, I mean, say resonate like I might tremble into pieces over well, here. Well, I think most most millennials would. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's you know, it's this weird recognition that we're living in like Peter Pan world. Yeah, uh, where we have adults who emotionally are children um and it's it there's a we talk about jordan peterson but there's another guy with the last name peterson jesse lee peterson have you ever listened to him no no oh, do you know who i'm talking about at all no. okay so he's kind of your um i would say archetypal southern uh black christian conservative uh, media commentator and he's really interesting to listen to um, because while I'm not anywhere in the level of kind of um, not quite fundamentalist Christian religious I'm not even religious at all but when you when you interpret what he's saying through like an archetypal lens it he'll say something literally and I think he kind of means it literally but it's true figuratively in a big abstract way. So an easy example is that he says weakness is evil. 
Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Right? And what he means really is that if you are weak, you are being negligent, and then evil is going to trample over you, and your job was to prevent that evil from occurring. Sure. So if, like, you're a parent, and you are too weak to enforce proper borders and boundaries because you were afraid it is going to be too constraining on your kids. Well, then your kids grow up to be weak, and then evil preys upon them yeah. and then spreads it throughout the world. Yeah. Right? Or if, like, you're too weak to protect your home, then, like, you are now – uh, making it a more profitable place to be a, a criminal sociopath, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I think that is this strange time we're living in. This is a perfect segue to talk about the evil sociopathic uh, weak predators, right? So why don't you go ahead and talk to them about the more advanced level of word sorcery and how that plays into uh, the postmodernist agenda? All right, everybody. So... Let's talk a little bit about Michel Foucault. Now, uh, I bring him up often, mostly because I've yet to actually get a hold of Derrida's books and uh, Horkheimer and the rest of them. But uh, from the beginning of, um, let's say, Crime and Punish, I believe is the way the title is translated, you start to see this word sorcery at play. So the way that book starts is with a gigantic surge of pathos. Foucault starts with this horrific tale of a very botched and public execution. I won't go through all the grittiest of the details, but essentially a guy is um, quartered um, and then eventually, does he, do they chop his head off? I think they do, but it takes forever for him to die. And he wants you to feel this revulsion and disgust. So again, he's playing on your emotions. And then he starts talking about power. Now, Foucault is was even at his, the time when he was writing heavily criticized for this. But the high-level word sorcerers like Foucault, like he doesn't define power. He leaves it purposefully ambiguous. And why does he want to do that? Because he wants every single time that he brings up the word, no matter how it's being used, he wants it to get around your thinking and to make you associate it with tyranny, evil, pain, suffering, like that's what he wants. Um, Why is that relevant? Well, you know, we we talk about Peterson. Like, what's the difference between power and force? I did an aphorism about this too, right? So Josh, what do you think? If I say, if if we assume there's a difference between power and a difference between that and force, what's the difference? I think I've heard you say this aphorism before, but if I was to answer just off the top of my head, right? And us both being very Nietzschean, you know, types and believers. Uh, I, I assume power is anything that uh, anything that I do or you do or whoever that gives me a uh, a better ability to to meet my goals, right? So this can be this can be anything, right? It is very open, but there is a common thread, which is I have uh, something I want. And I'm going to get it right. Um, Force, on the other hand, I feel like is more of like an attack, a direct attack. Yes, right. That's actually perfect. To use the old terminology, uh, the the power is the ability to enact your will in the world. And actually, it's really interesting. uh, I've been picking up my German lessons again. The word for uh, want in German is will. 
Okay. Right. And I, the reason I think it's interesting is because English has deep roots in, in uh, the Germanic languages. And so like to want to think to have a goal is to have a will. Yeah. The very will is, is it's the same concept all the way down. Now you mentioned attack, right? So really what constitutes an attack? Something like uh, to cause damage. I don't even think that exactly. I think it has, to, this is my libertarian roots coming out here. I think it has to do with, uh, voluntarism or involuntarism, right? Like, um, if we're say we're rolling in jujitsu and uh, you're trying to put me in an arm bar, you're okay. trying to well, you're going to put me in an arm bar. Let's, <laughs> not, let's, let's well, I just joking. It's he's not, not that joking. easy. Well, it, it's kind of easy for Josh. No, uh, it's not. It's hard. It's actually pretty hard with people who are like trying. Okay, so you're attempting to force my arm into a position against yes. somebody else's will. We like it's not voluntarily it's voluntary that we're rolling, but it's also within that voluntary system there's a bunch of yes. involuntary components, right? Um what Foucault, the high level sorcerers are trying to do is they're trying to um cause what I call a gray think, right? So you have two separate things, power and force. They're interrelated but they're not the same. Yeah. But if I kind of blur them together using my linguistic tricks. Now you can't tell the difference. So whenever I use one, then you're going to start to think it's the same thing as the other one. Sure. So like, let's say that if I want any, uh, any power differential, any difference in power amongst individuals to be associated with tyranny, like the public execution at the beginning of uh, crime and punish, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to, load you up with pathos then right when you're associating that uh it's almost like um it, uh, not classical conditioning it's either a classical opera operational or operant conditioning can't remember uh in psychology but i'm going to load you up with the pathos of that story and then point out oh look at this difference in power over here and over here and over here and over here with the hope that you don't notice that i'm actually using i'm using the definition of force but i'm using the word power instead so that now you think power and force are now equal so power equals force equals tyranny which equals evil which means all uh hierarchies of power are now evil and then therefore now i've just uh, I call it a lateral slide because mm -hmm. you can see this equals that equals this. And you're, essentially, you're you're taking some something, an event or whatever, um, some outcome, and and you're you're assigning it a uh, a cause, right? It's like causation, right? And it's like it, it doesn't prove anything, but you convince people that this is the cause. This is this is the 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 evidence of why this leads to this. When really. You know, uh, what is the saying? Causation. Uh, uh, it's correlation, not causation. Correlation, not causation, right? So you correlate it, but it doesn't actually prove causation. And then you just kind of, you know, run with it and start the Soviet Union or whatever. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, that's one way, right? Because I want to go go through the different variations of this. So there's the uh, attributing causal links where there isn't. So this will cause this. So it'll just lead to that. Um, so it's kind of like a false sequence, but there's also the, uh, equivocation. This is the same as that. Okay. Or there is no difference between this and that. Um, they oftentimes people will do this, whether they're Babel MOOCs or whether they're, uh, proficient word sorcerers. You need to get a good word for like 
the higher level word sorcerer. Well, typically <laughs> that's, wizard, I, don't know. Uh, I typically I reserve the sorcerer or wizard bit for them. The dark wizard. Yeah. The like evil it. wizards or the, uh, wizard. I, I sometimes I'll call them, um, black alchemist because I like black alchemist. That's pretty, you have to go kind of deep in the philosophy to understand what, why that works. But, uh, essentially imagine Jordan Peterson about transforming yourself and becoming better and then make that never about yourself and always about everyone else. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially um, what the word sorcerers are, the black alchemists. They're like the bizarro version of Jordan Peterson's message where now it's not that you need to change bucko. It's that the world needs to change. Or it could be that could it also be we're going to use this this black black alchemy, right? Dark wizardry to convince you that everything that's actually good about you as a person is actually bad. And everything that would actually destroy you and not just you, but society itself is actually good. Because mm -hmm. isn't that really what like postmodernism does? Yes. Uh, it's funny. That's actually literally um, Satan's argument in Paradise Lost. Uh, I bring yeah. this up a lot, but like he gets up out of the chains and he's like, look, even though I can't remember why we rebelled against God, because our memory was stricken, we got cast into hell. It must have been a good reason. So therefore, I'm just going to assume we're right. Yeah. And therefore... <laughs> From that presupposition, anything that is against God is now good for us. Yes. Which is, if you want to end the world, like that's what you do. Yeah. Right. No, I mean, the uh, I've been thinking more and more about this like idea within postmodernism. I don't mean to get off topic here, but it, you'll probably be able to tie it in. I'm sure it ties in more than I realize. But it, like, the fact of the matter is. There's this notion within the postmodernist th think, right, that like, that like things should be, like, like they all seem to act like there's not an objective reality. Now, granted, I know some crazy people, and we don't share an objective reality, right? But objective reality, I assume, still exists, and then I also assume that collectively, there's a, a collective of of people using the the best logic that we can come up with as a species, right? Like we're trying to figure something out and we're all agreeing. Some of us are agreeing and we've put a lot of thought into this. Um, so obviously there's some people who obviously are just not, you know, they're, they're unhinged. Right. But then like I noticed with postmodernism, it just seems like you're going, you don't want to assign value to anything. And suddenly everything can become anything. And then anything that seems to have, uh, a razor sharp, like, this is what this is, a razor sharp, def de like, definition of itself, right? That becomes bad suddenly. And then also, you know, obviously, anything that has any sort of uh, what, what I would describe as like natural power, uh, that also becomes bad. Um, I don't know, tell me what you think of that. Okay, so what you're running into is um, what the Taoists call like the equalizing assessment of all things. Um, and before I jump right into that, I need to delineate uh, a difference between what I call left and right wing postmodernism, which to some people is like, what the, What are you talking well, about? We're There's... pretty deep down the rabbit hole at this point, so that's a stupid thing. Yeah, so it, it's not long. Basically, there's only one tiny difference between left and right wing postmodernism. So they both both sides of this postmodern era, which really starts 
um, roundabout with Nietzsche, to be honest, because Nietzsche, if you really read deep in the Nietzsche, it's right wing postmodernism. Mm. Um, Beyond good and evil is always the greatest place to start. You know, suppose truth were a woman. Philosophers are really terrible with women. We we never even come close to being able to gain the favor of truth. She just like looks at us scornfully with disgust, <laughs> right? That and I actually think that that's that's correct. Like we don't know that is which is like we can't look beyond the veil that is our human limitations yeah. by definition we're, we we're, we're in this this thing and we we can only see what's available yeah. we're us. in the meat bodies yeah like, and then not... we have to make a whole bunch of assumptions in order to get what we see to work yes but um, what we see is all we have to work with and it works within our little realm yes and what makes it right wing is nietzsche does not suppose that truth isn't there Right, Nietzsche is not saying there is like, a truth. There's an yes. abstract truth, and sometimes she'll judge there you as objective yeah, truth, and she can judge you as being unworthy, and you die because she is nature, and yes. nature is existence. Right? And that, that happens. We have examples all around us of that. Yes. every second of every day. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but I always refer back to this because I, 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 at this point, I have hundreds, a hundred some of these things, so I have an aphorism about everything. But like a bullet coming out of a gun, if you're not looking at it, doesn't care that you don't see it or cannot hear it fast so enough. so right-wing um postmodernism is essentially almost like a natural kind of darwinistic uh approach to to life philosophy of life sort of but the postmodern element of it is that we we actually can't know uh what kant would call the noumenal that is like the the true objective universe beyond what we feel and think and experience we actually can't and probably never will have direct access to that but that it's still there just because we can't access and it's it. all we have. Like we got to do something with what we have. Yeah. So we, we, it's kind of like multiple levels of analysis. Peterson always talks about levels of analysis. If you never, if that tricked you, like you didn't know what that meant. What it means is, okay, the truth is this thing over here that we don't know, but we're meat monkeys. And so in the meantime, we need to like live and eat and yeah. have shelter. We so we're just going to operate. Yeah. So we're going to operate with some assumptions acknowledging the fact that it's not like perfect knowledge but we don't care that much because it's good enough for us yeah. as as monkeys okay so that's right wing left wing postmodernism you encounter the same problem okay there's no way to access an objective reality and what they do okay, therefore there is, is no objective no. reality yes that's fucking useful <laughs> um and i'm not going to go into it today cuz it would take too long uh, and I wanted to talk about the equalizing assessment of all things. Um, but with that, right, given that that's the case, I can apply um, what is essentially uh, the alkahest, which is an alchemical substance that was theorized to exist that reduces all things to their base elements. Um, and I can apply that to the universe to then eliminate the difference from all things if all things are merely subjective mm -hmm. right like if if in reality there is no thing that means there's no limitations on that which could be mm -hmm. it's it's merely a matter of perception so if i can bamboozle you into believing a thing that is akin to making one more unit of human being make that true and if the fridge can be both shut and not shut and it and there is no differentiation between the two, then this plays directly into what the Babel Mook and the Dark Wizard you do when they use their world sorcery. Um, in a sense, yeah, because they're they're trying to remove the 
the value uh, judgment on the fridge being open or closed. Yeah, they're trying to convince you that one thing can be something else. Yes, because uh, it gets rid of uh, it gets rid of that 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 ability to judge, ability to have structure. Um, it gets rid of let's say a power differential, like let's say that. Um, a value differential. Yeah. Like let's say like you're Michel Foucault and you're like a uh, closeted gay and then also happen to be a pedophile and you, well, he was like, yeah, okay. it was on record. Like it's, it's, he was trying to like, he was one of the many postmodernists in France actually who signed this big document to lower the age of consent to 13. And he's like recorded taking trips to Africa to basically hire child prostitutes. Anyway. Exciting. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that went on back in the day in the history is pretty brutal um but what he would want therefore right so he's going to say well i'm part of the marginalized and what does that mean marginalized on the margins it means that given my particular if i'm michelle cope given my particular proclivities i am uh disenfranchised dispossessed is the word they typically like to use right and it means that given the way that uh they're going to say society is oriented not the world, because yeah. they don't believe that. Right. Society is structured. It's and, the social construct. Yes. Uh, Society created this value. Yes. Uh, and there's not, no. It ob- just exists. Yes. And there's no objectivity to it. And it makes me unfairly no, of no responsibility, my own disadvantage. Therefore, Foucault would argue, it is an unjust tyranny upon me. And so any. Any societal structure or reality, which they 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 condense down to societal structures, so mm-hmm. anything essentially that dis- is disadvantageous in any way that you could describe it as being disadvantageous, is therefore um, let's say a target of this application of the equalizing assessment or the alcahest. It's worthy of destruction, uh, via that Babamook-esque bamboozlement, yeah. or the, in this case, like the dark wizard the the black alchemist trying to dissolve it into nothing yeah now remember i just said that they equate nature or the objective universe with a social construct that they think they can dissolve yes so that is the will to destroy the world if it is if it results in any form of inequity which means they're trying to destroy the world. Yes, that's literally no, <laughs> literally trying to dissolve the world. Yes, of all meaning. Yes, that is, and it's uh, that. It's it's so it's like a, what is a house with no foundation? You know, it's like what is what is some what is the, what is the what meaning does the world have without structure within the world? I mean, it's like they want this um, meaningless blob of a world we've gone so far off track from what i think we're supposed to no no this is exactly right because the question oh i guess we have to get to the solution on how to deal with these type of people but what the type of people that before we write right before we get to the solution so we're at the high level uh word sourcer these are the people who they they kind of know what they're doing and what they've done is they they're faust well they might know what they're doing they might or they might not i think if we're talking like academics I think they know because academics typically you have to be in you have to be more intelligent than your average MOOC, right? You can't. Yeah, but I agree with that. Some academics probably know, but I also think like when you're dealing with like I've dealt with hardcore borderline types who are masters at this type of bamboozlement, right? But they don't really know why they're doing it. 
You know what I mean? Well, those are still MOOCs, right? Because we're talking. I don't this... know if they are though. Oh, I would. The reason the they're del- masters. It's the reason the feminine chaos, right? The master sorceresses. It's it's not the skill. It's the intention, I think, that makes the, the mook, the unwitting, mm-hmm. yet cunning, uh, not even a liar, right? From the wizard. Because wizard, wizard comes from the word wise. Yeah, right? maybe so, they don't know why they're doing it. And so that makes them a mook. Yeah, I think because you can be really, really good. They may like, know they're doing I've run it. Across, so I know why. Yeah, I've run across very intelligent mooks. And the problem with very intelligent mooks is like you can't, you know, we talk about pinning them in the corner, like you can't do it because they're like really good at coming up with new ways to get around uh yeah. the, the 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 staunching of the bamboozlement and, they, and they, they'll um, if they can they'll tap into that emotional side in a different way than just breaking down crying they'll they'll if you're not careful you have to be going back to what you're saying about like the weak and the strong like if you're not if you're weak these more powerful sorcerers and sorceresses will 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 destroy you and i've seen a lot of men get destroyed by sorceresses yeah, it's the reason why Conan hates men. wizards, by the way. Like, if you ever read, we were talking about it before the podcast, you ever read Robert E. Howard's uh, Conan. Conan hates sorcery because Conan is the archetypal male and sorcery is archetypally feminine, right? Yeah. Because, like, if you're not as big and strong and you're mostly dealing with other people rather than, like, I don't know, killing animals and other men, um, then you got to be, you have to be good as a sorcery. Because yeah. otherwise, evolution, like, in our evolutionary history, you're yeah, not going to. Sliced up. Yeah, we're just like you're not going to survive very well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's why Conan hates it. <laughs> um, but getting back around because we got to get to the solution. Like, what the, what the hell are we going to do with these people who, like I was saying just a moment ago, they're Faust, which means the, the devil is Mephistopheles, who comes to Faust and says, "Hey, man, you sell your soul, and I'm going to give you all these these good things." But Mephistopheles, Peterson made this line famous when he introduces himself as, "I am the spirit that negates," and rightly so. For all that comes to be deserves to perish wretchedly. And who who else's position is that that comes right back around to that old story we mentioned every time we talk is uh, Cain and Abel, mm-hmm. right? At the bottom of this is these are people who out of a will to vengeance or spirit to revenge, um, they want to destroy the world, which is the same thing as we talked about before. We talk about like what is uh, uh, God, right? Like, that's what god is god is that is which is which is the world which is the objective transcendent world there is no that which is and uh to make even though their goal is to eliminate that from the minds of people right so they're essentially like there is no god and then they also believe that they could i I don't know they really believe that they can construct their own new god or their own new world because when we talk i think they believe they are god I mean, Marx literally thought that. Um, yeah, I believe that they like, especially when you look at um, this applies to the Dark Wizard, right, and trying to create their own reality, right. But it's like um, when you look at uh, like, uh, I mean, I don't know any number of postmodernists, uh, like viewpoints of, of of the far left today. They all seemed like they think that, that you could change your gender, right? And then they'll say, well, there's a difference between sex and gender. And I'm not sure that there really is. Um, When you break it down far enough, it seems to get pretty not different. You know, it's two branches from the same tree. But it's like uh, they believe that you can make like you can make yourself into whatever you want to be. And and then there's like a what is it? A new one I heard. It was um, 
was like trans capable or trans handicapped. Oh, trans like ableism. I trans ableism or something like that. Um, there's going to be like, um, I would talk to my barber, Chad Stradwick about, that. I've been warning him about postmodernist leftism, leftism for a, quite a while. Um, cause he's a big civil rights leader in the community. And, uh, I was like, you know, watch out what you support because, you know, eventually it's going to lead into things that maybe you don't agree with, right? Like you shouldn't just be, um, totally open to every civil rights movement. Like, okay. Uh, black civil rights movement cool with you but everything everyone says doesn't have to be accepted because eventually i was like you know eventually somebody's going to come in some like pasty white boy like me and he's going to say i am a black man <laughs> and you're going to say no you're not <laughs> and he's going to look at you and he's going to say you sir are a racist and that's how civil rights leaders will become racist at some point in time. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've kind of seen this. If you've been paying attention to this weird corner of politics that we're kind of wading into, it's been happening over the past 20 years, slowly, uh, accelerated over the last maybe 10, 12. Um, and it is something that happens where people get, they get duped, I think, because they get lazy and they mm -hmm. don't like, you know, we mentioned before most, well, I mentioned anyway, I don't know if you agree. Most people, I think, really are MOOCs. They're not thinking about this. They're operating kind of based on uh, emotional predisposition. And then they let that operate from there. So they've, uh, they, you know, and Jonathan Haidt and Jordan Peterson have both found data for this. So in The Righteous Mind, um, Jonathan basically found that people have innate differences in moral taste. And then that they just, most people will just, post facto rationalized to justify those tastes, even contradicting themselves, um, bamboozling even themselves in the process. Uh, and Jordan has found that essentially with personality disposition, like low uh, openness, high conscientiousness predicts conservatism. And then uh, the opposite predicts, uh, mm -hmm. I would say progressivism. Uh, I hate the fact that liberalism has been bastardized. Like go, go read John Locke and progressives and see how liberal you are. Mm -hmm. You're not. Uh, <laughs> they're not but anyway um well, they say if you go far enough left you get your guns back <laughs> well the this the, the the problem comes down to um essentially english versus french actually um but that's we're gonna get too far yeah. so going back to like what we said about they want to be god and i think at the high level sorcerer that's what it starts to sound like is like this is at the low level, it's like escapism. It's like I'm trying to get away from something. Whereas at the high level, it's it's a more direct assault on the world, right? It's like they're mm -hmm. trying to if they're trying to affect their will in a more direct way. Maybe I'm saying it in sort of a, a mooky kind no, of no, way. No, no, no. You're, you're literally correct. So um, it won't go long about this. So Marx, uh, coming off of Hegel, which is and there's other kind of occultist black alchemists you could blame this on, but. Um, believed that man let's say like man creates society which creates man which creates society right which is it's that social construct idea right and he thought eventually we are moving toward what they call the end of history which is mankind's recognition that he is himself god because he believed as man as subject when we're talking about the subjectivity mm -hmm. so if mankind is the subject that acts on the world and mankind and there is no god Therefore, to Marx, what that's like, there is no 
objectivity outside of man's subjectivity. Yeah. Therefore, if mankind altogether at the same time recognizes how he relates to society, um, then he will awaken and recognize himself as a God and revolve around himself like his own son. Mm -hmm. And that's like early Marx before Das Kapitel. I think that's uh, his 1844 manuscript or something. But, um, but yeah, like literally there's this dark occult belief that mankind is God. If he could just recognize it as and by mankind, I mean like all together. That's why they're also very collective because if it's subjectivity, Everyone has to agree or else mankind can't awaken as God, which also is why you have to kill everybody who doesn't yeah. agree with you. <laughs> so this is this is good, right? So like one thing I'm hearing is that like, first of all, if if the path to truth or the path to righteousness is through honesty, uh, objective honesty, right? Like accepting reality for what it is and then being a part of reality as it is in a positive way. Um the, the high level sorcerer is like the antithesis of that, right? They're not going to use their powers to try to affect, uh, affect a, a positive outcome on reality because they're looking for a positive outcome for themselves, regardless of what it does to the rest of the world, to the rest of the people in the world. We've had discussions, and I won't go into too much detail about the actual nature of those discussions, but we've had discussions in regards to how does one deal with like a sociopath? Right, because this is very sociopathic. High-level sorcerer is a very sociopathic uh, person, like very sociopathic, antisocial behavior. Um, so, the best solution we could come up with: What do you do if you see a sociopath at the grocery store? Answer: Leave the grocery store. You know, what do we do? I think, from what I'm hearing, unless you've come up with something other than that, it's it's you you have to avoid these people. You have to cast them out in a sense. Yeah. So, if we or look at to get away in any way you can. Well, yeah, in the as an individual, right? Because there's, I think there's an individual and there's a collective answer. As an individual, we're very limited um, because you can avoid them. Um, you can't negotiate no, because no. they'll cut your throat as soon as you turn around, right? Yeah. Like not literally. Or they might do it right in front of you. Also. Or yeah, if, if they can, <laughs> if, if they, they can, yeah. if they can. Typically, sociopaths don't like direct confrontation because uh, it's risky. They, they like it if it if they have. Uh... If they have some sort of uh, equalizer around it, like 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 um like a, a group, if they can turn yeah. people, they'll 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 confront you directly if they've got a group. Yeah, them. or if you're like uh, a, a sociopathic man, like abusing your girlfriend or whatever, yeah. right? Because then you're I can overpower you, so yeah. I can. Yeah, um, and they'll keep it secret because they know that you know obviously a larger yeah. group can come in and they can end that power. Um. So so you can't negotiate. Um. We don't live in a society in which, uh. You can chop their heads. Yeah. Oh, well, I was listening. Head. I can't remember who it was. It was either Chris Williamson, who does the modern wisdom, or it was Peterson talking to somebody about uh, apes and chimpanzees, and then also um, like very ancient early humans, like pre-human humans, ganging up and just destroying him. Yeah. Well, like basically, or even if it was one guy, like let's say you're the you're the biggest, baddest mofo in yeah. your tribe. I mean, two or if, three apes can or, still come and hit you. Or one guy with a fucking spear. Yeah. Dude, like. Or a small, like a rock. Yeah. Walk up behind you, bam, you're dead. That's it. Like, game's over. Yeah. So, and if everyone likes that guy and they all hated you, yeah. You think that? And this is why, right? What you're talking about is why power 
is is not in the postmodern sense not just like the bigger stronger guy but rather the person who is is best equipped to take care of themselves and others yeah and then this it's funny because in this case in that primitive human if he was really likable uh his exercise of violence wasn't his main power his main power was like doing other people favor so when he killed the tyrant everyone's like thank you (laughs) we appreciate you killing that guy yeah now you're a hero to be king um Um, so but we can't once again we can't just we can't smash them down it's very difficult to expose them i mean and even that's the other problem too is like if you can't destroy them entirely they'll always come back and they'll and they'll come back with a vengeance yes because they they have no there's no no line they won't cross. Yeah. So they always win that game of who's like you don't play chicken. If you play chicken, you lose because they are willing. To- yeah. They have very little. Um. The, the, their their self value is is their self worth is very low. They have very low. Uh, what is it, like self confidence. Yeah, and so I think traditionally, yes. Uh, or it, you they know, act like they have confidence. Yeah. They they don't. It's like a. Uh, it's like they. It's like an ego. It's not. So real. I I think what it is is that. To them, in a sense, confidence doesn't exist for the same in the same way that it might exist for somebody else. The reason why I say that is because a sociopath does not belong to any given hierarchy. Like the sociopath has to move all the time. They have to like fool different people. They have to like they, they don't encounter yeah. like here's a competence hierarchy. They they encounter here's an obstacle. To like, I've now reduced, if I'm a sociopath, I reduce all hierarchies to one hierarchy. And that is how I can conjigger myself to get to the top. And it they're like, there's no rules. And if there's no rules, there's no boundaries. There's no delineation between any contest. I think they're also just delusional. They have to delusionally believe that they're at the top of the hierarchy. Yes, but it's the. That's why when you see guys acting hard, like gangsters and shit like that, they're like, they're not really tough. They don't really do anything that tough. Uh, and we all know, like, you know, you've seen, you see this, this is a big, like, you see this all throughout society, right? And then you see it in all different walks of society, too. But it's like, uh, you're like, you're just a self-conscious little bitch trying desperately to convince yourself and everybody else that you're actually not, but you are. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, what it is, is they've now reduced everything to the ability to it would say if it's just a gangster on the street, like a modern gangster, not like an Italian gangster. Um, the, this is somewhat true about them as well. To reduce everything to the will to do violence, which does work, but it backfires immediately. Pretty quickly. Because yeah. well, anybody can do that. Yeah. Like literally anybody. And like, there's always somebody bigger and badder than Well, you. I mean, I, and the way I the think. the government and they're close. Well, yeah, the government. But I, anybody with a gun. Yeah. Like anyone who just has like a, a Glock in their freaking uh, – uh, glove box like or who knows jujitsu there's that too <laughs> but the reason why i got a glock or even a knife like you, you're not you know we're not living we're not musashi living out in the woods like a vagrant so we can avoid assassins not taking a bath right like yeah. that's not that's not 99 point we're even, vulnerable yes we're vulnerable and so um they've reduced everything down to that single hierarchy if, if you notice that's an equalizing assessment of all mm-hmm. things which kind of you know, reinforces the idea that the left-wing postmodernism that comes into this idea that one is God is the same thing as reducing everything to nothing. Yeah. Right. Uh, so what do we do about this? Cause as an individual in a modern society, we're kind of stuck. We can't take the old solutions, which were either like murder or exile. We could kick them, like kick them out of the tribe. You can't, 
we could kind of do that, but like we're in these big societies. We could theoretically try to cancel them, but you're not, I just don't think you're going to have a lot of success with the master of, of word manipulation, right? It's like, they're, they're very careful about, they're very careful about how they are being perceived. Like they won't do something that will get them cast out. They won't do something if they know they're going to get caught doing it. They won't be so obvious unless you get very lucky in exposing them in some emotional thing. I think that's somewhat true. I, I'm looking at a, a scale. Like, let's say you get a group of like five friends, you can kick them out of a group of five friends. That's yeah. doable. But a society, uh, a town. Yeah, it, yeah. Once you get to side, any even a small town, yeah, that's small too town, di- yeah. too difficult. So then I look to the collective solution because as societies develop, we did develop collective solutions to these problems. But the problem with that is that those all required very homogenous cultural values. So like if let's say that we're... So you're saying we have to go back to just straight up uh, like conservative, religious, like chopping heads off again. Well, I'm very much... In the uh, belief that Nietzsche is right when he said God is dead, I don't think we can go backwards. Like, I, I know Are people. Telling me we can't do any more crusades. Um, we can't. Like, maybe the Muslim world can. Like, they're still they, in that. They totally can. Yeah, they're still in that state of mind. Kind God of, is not dead. Yeah. Or Allah is not dead. <laughs> I used to blame him for that. Now I'm not sure. Well, yeah, yeah. Like, as much as I don't like um, a lot of the values of Islam, I do respect the fact that if you wanted to keep your religion and your culture are tied to that religion intact. You basically have to do what they do. Like yeah, in the, in the Muslim a, world, we're going to go so far down a rabbit hole if we, and we should, but not today, maybe but well, there's a good, yeah. that's a good like discussion for us next time. Maybe to be like, a, you know, well, we have the option of like radical religious belief systems <laughs> or postmodernist left leftist uh, thinking. Um, <laughs> which would you like? Yeah. Today on the menu. <laughs> go, go over to Britain, man. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, in Britain, this is actually the issue because their entire uh, society basically has been – not in their whole society, their government because actually normal British people are very based. Um, that's why they typically get uh, lambasted by Europe. It's called Turf Island. Mm. Um, yeah, right? <laughs> but they – there is like the government that is very woke, but then they've uh, – they have like open – immigration even under the tory party like their conservative party which their conservative party is like our democratic party yeah Yeah, it's like yeah um and so they've had this mass influx of particularly um economic migrants from the middle east who are mostly muslim right um and well what's the issue with that is that you end up having like essentially radical islam that gets more radical when it gets to britain actually um just slamming up against wokeism yeah and that's the battle there's like there's no large-scale collective voice for uh actual liberalism like um really what we call libertarianism over here in america is what liberalism is mm-hmm. um not to get into the weeds with that but from a to answer the question like the solution i do think that in this stupid culture war that's not really stupid because I think it will decide end up deciding like the fate of humanity because it literally is like ought humanity to exist or not to exist. Yeah. Um, somewhere in that culture battle, in that culture war, some relatively homogenous narrative. Uh, I hate to use that word, but narrative has to win. 
out. That is life affirming, as Nietzsche might say. Like we have to. Truth will have to prevail for us to survive. Uh, or affirmation of the truth that even when we don't like it. Well, yeah, because the truth has to be in line with that which is and not that which we want to be. Yes. And that is that is the, the problem because I like as individuals, like what do I what do I do? Like uh the the best answer I can come up with is like, well, you know, I, I write novels, I'm gonna see if I try to write more essays, I'm gonna do lectures, I can do what I can in my life to, you know, put out I happen to be a kind of literary artist. I hate that term because I typically, uh, I typically don't like artists. <laughs> You're a pretty artist, <laughs> even, even though I am. I'm like Nietzsche, where it's like I hate poets. Like I'm a, a moody, poet. You're like a moody artist. <laughs> yeah, I'm a. I'm a Okay. You're like so dramatic, bro. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, in the, at the end of the the gay science, Nietzsche writes this long poem in the rhythm of the Raven, like by Edgar Allan Poe. And um, it's basically this little bird keep telling him it's because you're a poet, Nietzsche. And Nietzsche's like, no. <laughs> um, so we have this uh, this problem of the word sorcerer, and we don't really seem to have a large scale solution. Nothing beyond like the Peterson do like do good in your own life and hope that wins. Well, that's not a bad solution though, because it is like up to the individual, right? Like each individual um has a responsibility to try to do in the world that which will affirm life and if every person does that the world will survive but if every person didn't do that the world would be destroyed i think so i mean it's so unsatisfying what an unsatisfying way to end the, the word sorcery issue. Maybe we should chop their heads off. I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying like, but then I know you'll have, you'll, you'll, you'll feel that we're just as bad as them at that point, And you're probably right. I mean, if we, if we, yes, if we literally just started. Oh yeah. I meant literally. Off, I was saying like, um, get the I think out. I, I go back to Nietzsche with this and his answer is, to revel in the revel in like the war of it because the war is also part of what is happening right like if we happen to be uh or the Taoists might even say this too like look sometimes you're born to a particular time and place um and sunatoma sunatoma the summer i said this like like look man the times are never to blame so the conditions you happen to find yourself in like if you happen to be in a state of a culture war it's like well, that's the setting you were born into, man. So, like, just affirm that. Like, you can't, like, don't, instead of turning against it and thinking, oh, no, this might end at the end of days. Like, it's like, okay, well, I actually, as an individual, can't determine whether or not it, it does, in fact, end one way or the other. But I can, let's say, go full Dionysian or Dionysiac with it and say, yes. This chaotic state of the world in which I find myself is the uh, fairgrounds in which I'm going to live my life and strive toward my human potential. And I would have done this in any grounds, but this happens to be the one that I'm in. And like, no matter how desolate or dark or gloomy or terrible it seems like it's going to be, I don't care. Right? I'm going to freaking jump into the abyss with my sword and go kill dragons mm -hmm. and like ride the. So 
wild horse into maybe, the mouth of the abyss. Maybe we can go back to our babble mook solution. Because that seems it's it seems that that will probably be the best place to fall back on right about now because we haven't we haven't got a, a great solution playing from the the higher level. So in the Babel Mook solution, we essentially forced the mirror of truth onto them and smashed them until they accepted their position. Until re- they we destroyed all their pathological scaffolding, and as they sat there with with nothing but the raw reality there to witness. And they had to suffer it and they had to accept it. Maybe as a society, that's what we have to do to the, the what is it? We called it the dark alchemist. Yeah, I usually used the, the term black alchemist because I read a lot of old books <clears throat> and they use the word black more than they use the word dark. Uh, but because of American racial racial connotations, you might want to use the word dark. So people don't I was think. thinking that. I was like, <laughs> some people are not going to like this, this terminology you're using there. Uh I mean, I guess that's that. There's going to be conflict. I think something we just need to address, right? It's like the worst thing we could do would be to be the type of people that were unwilling to undergo conflict. Yeah. And I think that that's. There's going to. <laughs> there will be war. <laughs> you know, and there's no way around that and um maybe i would just wish we had something a bit more um tidy uh, i i thought about it this way i think what we need actually is um sufficient strength yes going back to what you said about how being weak is is a form of evil yeah it's a doorway it's to the evil the gateway to evil being weak is the gateway that, uh, like, the um, the word sorcerers are dependent on the world being weak. So not just being strong, but making the world stronger, so that they can they can face these foes. Yeah. Um, so you could think of it. Well, I mean, it's freaking Jordan Peterson again, right? It's always gonna be. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's yeah. not Peterson. It's Jung, and then it's Nietzsche, and then it's somebody else before yeah. that. Yeah, Nietzsche talks about being the beast strong enough that a few, a few fleas aren't able to weigh you down. Yeah. Like, yeah, what do I care? I have so much extra strength. Like, Well, this is the this is the truth, right? I mean, being strong, being someone who can who can face evil, right? Being the hero with your sword and shield and being able to slay the dragon. That's the only thing. It's kind of like, uh, what is the, it was like a movie. I forget what it was, but it's like, all it takes for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. And it's like, we're getting, I don't want to, okay, maybe we're getting a little cliche, but like that kind of, you know, what is, what are these, you know, we do this mostly for ourselves because people don't, not many people don't listen, but the point is right. Like it is a reminder that like, okay, we bumped into the word sorcerers and we've kind of figured out how to deal with them. But ultimately, I guess the question, I don't know, the question would be something more along the lines of like, okay, you're dealing with a sociopathic word sorcerer. If you walk away from the sociopathic word sorcerer, if you leave the grocery store, right? Because you're going to bump into them a lot at the grocery store, we figured out. <laughs> if you walk away, they're allowed to continue their sorcery in the world versus if you destroy them, however that might be. I guess... 
Peterson is a good example here because Peterson's a guy who's been attacked nonstop for the things he said, and he has consistently just kept coming back to the table to discuss, to talk. And it's kind of like, how do you beat cancel culture, right? Because it's like, how do you beat this never-ending assault, which is what the word sorcerer does? You could also start talking about the word sorcerer collective, the people who get sucked in by the word sorcerer, right? But it's like, you have to be relentless and never back down. Yeah, now that you've said that, uh, I've encountered this a little bit. Um, so when I interact with what I tell typical, uh, not they're not really progressive, but they like the people who think that they're progressives because they think that progressivism is just synonymous with good. Yes. And they disagree with me on all kinds of things. A lot of, uh, almost inevitably, invariably, these people who know me know I'm not like a bad person. So when I start saying things that go against their like uh, sets of beliefs, they might have negative reactions. They might start engaging in this bamboozlement or um, if they're, you know, the higher level sorcerers, they might try to put you down. Um, but essentially their attacks can't sustain themselves. And I win because their attacks aren't predicated on anything that's real. Again, the whole thing is about subjectivity. Just like, can I get you to feel a certain way? Well, feelings are transient, but I'm here. And if I'm making the same position, I can write my words down on a piece of paper and you can read them today, tomorrow, and like next week. Mm -hmm. And they correspond with something objective. And I just don't crumble, right? Like I don't give in. I don't get swept up in the torrent of my emotions. Um, then you come out the other side. Uh, I think there's uh, a... Um, dune quote like fear is the mind killer i will uh allow it to wash over me and recede and only i will remain something mm -hmm. like i messed it up but it's it's a pretty good quote if, it, if you didn't mess it up it's pretty solid yeah uh it's it's one of the famous one but i think really that might be it be strong enough to stand by um your your principles be strong enough to carry yourself in the world be strong enough to affirm that is which is which is life itself it's the whole fucking message of christianity god damn it <laughs> god damn it depends uh it's also the message of the uh the antichrist which uh nietzsche's book the antichrist where he which is it's kind of like i think what christianity is supposed to be that it typically isn't but like most I, I would get in trouble with it. I don't want to go off the deep end. No, basically, it's, it's everybody's it's, everybody's. It's basically you should be like Christ on the cross where you're being unfairly crucified and then you should go, God forgive them. They don't know what they're yes. doing. Bear your cross. Yeah. Um, and it's like blame. Uh, Epictetus says this a lot uh, in his discourses. Like blame nobody. Like don't blame anybody. Right, like, don't even blame the sociopath. Like, be beyond that. There's a yeah, sociopaths have to exist in the world. Why? Because as soon as they don't exist, then you hit a, a society that becomes vulnerable to the reintroduction of any threat, mm -hmm. and then the whole society collapses. So you need a couple just to keep us on, sure, just to keep the uh, just to keep the edge on, right? Yeah. Well, you gotta have right. You gotta have like some guys who can go and just just chop people to bits and come back, and it doesn't really phase them too much. Well, you just need a good opponent sometimes too. Like, let's say that you're good, but you never have to face up against... You always need a good opponent. Yeah, otherwise you become you become weak. Like, if we had to just do jujitsu, it was only me you had to roll with, like, then all of a sudden you encounter Baker. He's just going to... He already might be able to destroy you, but now it's like you don't even stand. No, he can destroy him. <laughs> he can destroy pretty much everybody. Yeah. That's, uh... <laughs>
that is a man who can destroy. I will say this. I don't know how, it, but with Baker, there's a, I don't know how many people know this, but there's the level he rolls with you at. And then there's another level that most people don't know about. <laughs> I've experienced it. It's fucking horrifying. It's a terrifying place to be. Anyway, we need stronger men in this world and women for that matter. Yeah. So everyone go, uh, go read the Conan stories and see what that looks like. I think that's a good place. To go. And if, and if, and if you want to become physically stronger, you can join the bullpen fight club in Wheeling, West Virginia, and you can come and you can fight myself in the legendary Josh Baker. Yeah. Well, that's a great place to, to wrap it up. Any final remarks, Josh? I just think it's hilarious that we just ran right back into the, the Christianity thing. There's like, that's just, you know, they just been, we're sitting here having these, uh, these long form discussions about things that are just been written. Just dudes figured this stuff out thousands of years ago, but we're just figuring it out today. But that's still pretty cool. You know, thank God that we're thinking. With that, I'll see you guys next time. <laughs>